0: today that, God, that that would be the simple cry of our heart, that in the midst of everything that's going on, that as we walk through the fires, we walk through difficulties, that we would understand that it's not that big a deal, that you are walking right there beside us, that your grace and mercy overflows, that you are there to strengthen us and encourage us, to uphold us with your righteous right hand. And so, God, today we pray that you would speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Um, you can turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be starting in verse 29. And as you think about that, we started a sermon series last week called Vigilant. And the reason we started the sermon series called Vigilant was we were already into Matthew chapter 24 or started seeing Matthew chapter 24 um, in, in our The King and His Kingdom series. As we talked about the king and, and what was going to be happening with Jesus coming and, and things like that. So we came to this sermon series or this sermon series we're calling Vigilant. Because the idea is that we should remain vigilant in the midst of everything that goes on. In the midst of knowing what Jesus promised. These are Jesus words about what the second coming will be. Be like. And so, this is our second week in this series uh, where we're going to be looking at Matthew 24 and 25. And I'll give you a heads up about what's going on. This first part, uh, really the part of Matthew chapter 24, is what Jesus says how the second coming is going to look, what it's going to be like, what's going to happen, what are the signs, things like that. Matthew chapter 25, which is really where we get our sermon title Vigilant, is what is our responsibility as a church? What is our responsibility as Christians? then if the second coming is going to happen, what are, we to, what are we to do, all right? We're to remain vigilant. So we're gonna lay that out. We're gonna unpack that. We're gonna dig in and see what God's word says about that. But as we do that, I want to encourage you with a, a number of things. Those of us who know and love the Lord, uh, those of us who study the word are very much aware of the fact that the world will end with the glorious coming of Jesus Christ to earth from heaven. That's a promise. And here's the thing you have to begin to understand. You can't claim to follow Jesus if you don't believe what Jesus said. That's the beginning point of everything that we understand. Because I know a lot of people will say, man, Jesus was a great teacher. I follow Jesus' teachings. Do you believe that Jesus is coming? No way. All right? Then Jesus wasn't a great teacher because if Jesus was a great teacher, you would listen to the truth he says. If not, then you're just saying, hey, look, I pick and choose what I want to follow for Jesus, but other than that, I'll just walk away from everything else. And you can't go about doing that because there are a number of claims that Jesus makes that put us in a predicament if we try and do that. Number one, Jesus himself makes the claim to be the way, the truth, and the life. So when somebody says, well, you're narrow-minded and bigoted, what they're saying is, Jesus is narrow-minded and bigoted because they're saying, well, it can't be just Jesus. There's no way it can be just Jesus. If Jesus claims that, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, then what Jesus says is truth. We have to take that. You have to understand whether you agree with it or not does not matter when it comes to the big picture. A lot of people want to go around life and go, look, I just don't necessarily agree with what Jesus said on that, so I'm going to change the way it goes. Okay, well, that doesn't mean it's true. What's what's true for you is not true for everybody else is a lie the world wants to say in today's world, today's culture. Well, that's true for that person, but it's not true for me. No, truth is not relative. Truth has to have a standard. And Jesus becomes the standard bearer by which everything is set in place, all right? So if we understand that Jesus or the world will end with the glorious coming of Jesus Christ to earth from heaven based upon his word, then there are a number of things we're going to look at. And so it is his second coming, all right? That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 24. It is his second coming. And the reality is the first time he came, he came in humility. The first time he came, he came to die on the cross. The first time he came, he, he came as a humble little child, born in a manger, born as a servant, born to die on the cross. You get the picture. A matter of fact, most people, you don't have to really discuss much about the birth of Jesus, do we? We know about the manger. We know about the angel. We sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We know that, that there were donkeys and stuff most likely there. We know that Joseph and Mary had to find a place in a stable rather than the inn, that Jesus was born in a manger. We know all of that stuff. But the second coming is a lot of the stuff that people begin to question. Why? Because we don't necessarily focus on it a lot. When the reality should be this, as a church, as individuals, in order to understand Or in order to have a heart for the nations, in order to have a heart to see people come to Jesus, I think we have to keep the end in mind. There's a reason why I raise my children a certain way. And it's because I have an end in mind, a goal for them. You know, we we had a conversation on the way over today. I said, "I, I could be an irresponsible parent. I could tell you to go fend for yourself, go get a job, I'm not gonna provide. I could be a person who doesn't give any love or care. I'm not gonna teach you how to do things. That's irresponsibility. But I approach life with a responsibility. And Christians, listen to me, if you are a believer in Christ, you have a responsibility. You are responsible for understanding that the second coming will happen and therefore there are things you should be and I should be Doing. And we're going to jump into that later on down the road. But as we do this, I want you to remember. Remember, number one, this is the Olivet discourse where Jesus had left the temple, and as he walked out of the temple, the disciples point out and say, Hey, look at this, look at this temple. Isn't it great? Isn't it grand? And Jesus says to him, Hey, do you see all these things? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another, everyone will be thrown down. At which point the disciples ask, Tell us when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age, okay? The Olivet Discourse is called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus walks with them after they ask this question, walks with them over to the Mount of Olives where they can see the whole city of Jerusalem, including the temple, and he begins to give them the longest answer to one of the shortest questions, all right? They're like, hey, tell us when it's gonna happen and what's gonna be the sign? And Jesus gives them two chapters of an answer to a very simple question they they asked. And so here's the question I want to ask you. How should we live knowing he's coming again? I want you to start thinking about that because over the next four weeks we'll answer that question. How should we live knowing he's coming again? Because remember what I said, the world is very aware of the first coming of Jesus. We celebrate it On December 25th. We know about Bethlehem. We know about the shepherds. We know about the manger. We know about the the wise men. We know about Mary and Joseph. We know about all of that stuff, but the world is oftentimes less familiar with the second coming. And so Jesus gives us, and we we covered this last week, uh, and the week before. Jesus gives us these signs. matter of fact, they're going to be up on the screen as you're following along. He gives us these signs. There are, there are nine that I gave you originally. We jumped to the 10th last week. What are the signs of the end? Number one, there will be attempted deception of followers. All right, we saw that in the first part uh, of chapter 24. Watch out there. Won't, no one deceives you in verse four. Number two, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Verse six all right, of chapter 24. Number three, there will be international hostility. That's verse seven of 24. Number four, there will be famines and earthquakes. That's still verse seven. Number five, there will be a great persecution in verse nine. Uh, Internal strife and betrayal is number six. That's verse 10. Uh, He who stands firm will be saved. That's verse uh, seven, or sorry, verse 12. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. Uh, Sorry, the love of most will grow cold. That's verse 11. Verse 12, he who stands firm will be saved. Number nine, the gospel will be preached. And then last week we talked about this. Here's what are the signs of the end, the abomination that causes desolation. In other words, there would be an individual who's gonna rise to power. Look, I'm not gonna sit here and do what other preachers have tried to do in the past. If you're the one who wants to come in and be like, we wanna know who the Antichrist will be. Was it Obama? Is it gonna be Trump? Please stop. That's pathetic. You will know who the abomination that causes desolation is when that person rises to power and sets up an idol in the temple to be worshiped of themselves, okay? You have to begin to get that picture. There are too many pastors out there who try and conjecture up things and come up with ideas. Every decade, it seems like there's some pastor who rises up and he's like, this is the Antichrist. This is the end of the world. Matter of fact, when we were in Texas... We, we had to go, when I was in seminary, we had to go and see other churches, um, other religions even. We went to a, a Jewish synagogue and did a three-and-a-half-hour service when they were celebrating Sukkot. Um, that was part of our seminary class. Another one we went to, we went to a Seventh-day Adventist church, and we just happened to be there. On the day that a guy spoke, and he said, this would have been like 2002, 2003, that Jesus was coming back like September of 2003, I mean, he stood up on the stage saying that based upon the stars and how the stars and the planets are aligning. I'm telling you, September or whatever, 2003, Jesus is coming back. And I looked over at Sarah and I went, wonder what he's going to do when he doesn't. Because he completely discredits himself because he doesn't understand the big picture of what Jesus says. You have to begin to understand the words that Jesus says. So the reason why I jump through those signs, remember, those signs are going to be this tribulation, this bad time that, 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 that the Jews and, and Christians alike are going to see. They're going to see deception. There are going to be wars and rumors of wars and hostility and famines and persecution and strife. The love of most will grow cold. Those who stand firm will be saved. The gospel is going to be preached. And then the abomination that causes desolation is going to rise to the top, and so Jesus lays out these signs. Hey, here's the deal. And if you have your Bibles, starting in verse 29, listen to what he says. We wrapped up last week, but listen. I want to cover this because I, I think this is phenomenal. Immediately after the distress of those days, in other words, immediately after the trouble, immediately after the tribulation that has gone on in those days or of those days. Listen to what he says. The sun will be what darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And then verse 30, the climax. If we had a bunch of big instrumentation, it'd be like, you know, the, the, the movie that's building up because it says, At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all of the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Anybody suffer from allergies? My world has been turned upside down the last two weeks. Usually it's the first part of April, but it's stemmed back because it was so cold. And I know when allergy season is coming, because I start to get plugged up, my eyes start to itch, and the last couple weeks has been atrocious. I went through five years of shots, and there are signs every year that point to the fact that summer is coming. And the first thing is, you start to see these little buds on trees, at which point I start to go, oh great, here it comes. And I start taking my allergy medicine again, because I don't take it during the winter, I don't need it. But once spring comes, and matter of fact, a little bit before spring, I start taking it because I want to build up the immunity. And that's what Jesus is saying when he talks about the fig tree. You know when summer's coming because the fig tree begins to start to bloom. And just as you see things bloom out, there are things that as a result of those signs, the end is going to come. It's a sign that this is what's happening. Jesus will come back. That's a promise. He's not telling you, well, I might. I may if, he's saying, I will come back. And these are the signs that the end is going to come. And he says that, so the abomination will be set up, the abomination of desolation. And then immediately after the tribulation, he says, immediately after the distress and trouble of those days, here's what's gonna happen. The sun will be darkened. So if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. All right, I try and have a key point every week. All of creation will cry out when Jesus comes with power and great glory. All of creation. Not just all of humanity. All of creation will cry out when Jesus comes with power and great glory. So we're going to focus in on that. And I'm going to ask you this question. Or we're going to ask this question. How will Jesus come back? What's it going to look like? How's it going to look? What's, what's going to play out? And so I want to cover a couple of quick things as we jump into that. Look at verse 29 real quick, and listen to what he says. Immediately after the distress of those days. What does immediately mean? (laughs) Yeah, immediately. Like if I say, Ethan, I want you to pick up this immediately. I'm not expecting any delay, am I? It's like, get down and do it. You know, If, if we were told to do something immediately in boot camp, you didn't ask a question. You just did it. You know, it's not like, well, do you want me to do that now or later? Because you're probably doing it now and later. All right? It was this immediate thing. It was immediate. You did it. If you said, I want you to do this now, go do it. If my dad said, I want you to go take care of the dog, I didn't go, well, do you want me to do it in 15 minutes? You went out the door and took care of the dog. You didn't ask when. You just did it immediately is what he's saying. So Jesus is laying this out. Look, these nine signs are going to happen. Then the abomination of desolation is going to rise. He's going to set up some things. And remember, listen, he warned them. There are going to be people who claim to be a false Christ, a false Messiah. He says, don't go out there. Why? Because as lightning goes across the sky, you will know when Jesus comes. So he's warning them, don't go out and see the false prophets. You'll know when Jesus comes because it's going to be seen. And now we're going to unpack how he says that immediately after the tribulation, immediately after the distress of those days, when it's going to be bad. As a matter of fact, if you jump back up to verse 21, it says, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. You have to understand that oftentimes we look and we go, oh my gosh, the world is in chaos. You just wait. It's going to get worse. And if you can't imagine how it could get any worse, just think of your parents who lived in the 50s or 40s and 30s who thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's going to get any worse. When I listen to my grandparents tell stories, my grandmas now, to think of how they thought about things and even how things have come about recently. It's only going to get worse. And so Jesus literally says, immediately after the distress of those days. Now I wanna lay out a couple of things, all right? Jesus said it would be a time of great distress. We just looked at that in verse 21. There'll be a great time of distress, trouble and tribulation, we see that. But listen, here's what happens. How will Jesus come back? We have to see this, all right? In other words, how is he going to come back? What are we going to see? What's going to go on? Number one, the earth will cry out. Listen to what he says. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So I decided to do some research. All right, you can do your own research if you wanted to, but I'm going to give you some things that happen. Number one, if the sun is darkened, you have to understand it takes the light and heat from the sun eight minutes to reach the earth. The sun is over 33 million degrees. Now, you think it's hot in Missouri in summer when it's 108. 33 million degrees. That's ridiculous. That's smoking hot. All right, but listen to, what, listen to what the Bible says. This is what the, the, the Old Testament prophets said about what would happen. Isaiah chapter 13, see the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. Joel chapter 2 verse 30, I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will, be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Revelation chapter six. I watched as he opened the sixth seal and there was great, there was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth and made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red. Listen to me to understand this. Within one week, within one week of the sun going out, the average temperature on earth would be at the freezing point within one week. That would be just the average. Sun's gone, gone. Severe drops in temperature would continue, and the earth's temperature would drop, listen, by a factor of two every two months. Now, to give you an idea, i look this up. The current temperature on the earth is about 300 kelvins on average, all right? You can do your research on 300 kelvins. 273 kelvins is the freezing point, Okay? So our average temperature, is 300 kelvins, 273 uh, kelvins is the average freezing point. But listen to this, two months after the sun would quit, it would be at 150 kelvins here on earth. Four months after the sun, it would be at 75 kelvins. For those of you who don't understand, it would be a frozen planet with no sun. God created it in a very specific way. Look, he didn't just create earth, he created everything. So we begin to understand that every living organism would eventually freeze to death and the seas would turn to solid ice. That's how cold it would be. And with the sun gone, the moon would be dark or with the moon dark or gone, high tide and low tide wouldn't be a big issue. But listen, there's a point in the Bible where it says the islands will disappear, the mountains will be gone. Why? Because of everything that goes on. So all of creation is literally crying out. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give his light. The stars will fall from the sky. Matter of fact, I had to look this up. There will be such great gravitational disturbances that would happen if the sun stopped shining on the earth and all other planets. All of the planets would then fly off into space because they would no longer have a gravitational orbit. So listen to what he says again. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Do you see what's going on? When Jesus, immediately after the distress of those days, when Jesus comes back, all hell will break loose. And here's the reason why the one who created and spoke everything into existence, the one who formed and fashioned man, the one who spoke the stars, knows the stars by name, the one who put those in there, who knows everything about you, can count every hair on your head, the one who does that comes back and as a result, all of creation cries out in glory, understanding what is going on. It is the beginning of the end. The axial tilt, matter of fact, I looked this up again, the axial tilt of the earth would be off and it would cause the earth to rotate to a point where the equator would be now north and south pole and the poles would actually be the warmer areas of the earth. That's just the gravitational issue with the axial tilt went off. You start to look into the science of what goes on. Meteor showers would fall from the sky. You realize that the moon, when we look at the moon, you guys see the craters and stuff? Did you know the moon, because of the gravitational pull around it, actually saves the earth? A majority of any sort of meteors and things go and hit the moon rather than hitting the earth because of the way the gravity works around there. That's God's handiwork to say that he loves us and shows us meteor showers would fall from the sky. Earthquakes will cause the land to heave and shake and volcanoes will erupt. Now, I don't know how else to put that, but maybe Hollywood's got a little bit of it on some things when we watch things like San Andreas or what's the one where they freeze uh, this coming day or whatever it is. Uh, what is it? Day, t- day after tomorrow. What is it? What is it? Day after tomorrow, right? Yeah. All right. When, when they got this massive cold storm that comes through and freezes everything up. But listen to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 22 says this. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Remember what Jesus said. Those signs were just the what? Beginning of childbirth pains. But listen, all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So the very heavens, listen, are held in place and under control of the one who created them and controls them. But now everything is turned into chaos. Everything has gone helter-skelter. Everything is gone in its own way. And that leads us to the birth. Remember, everything else is just the beginning of the birth pains, but that leads us to the birth. What does that mean? Look at verse 30. Okay, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. But listen to verse 30, and what's it say? There are three important words right at the start. At that, what? At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Listen, here's the big thing you have to begin to understand. When all hell breaks loose, guess who busts out in the sky? Guess who comes back? At that time, immediately following the distress of the days, at that time, Jesus comes back. It says this, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. So here's number two. Jesus will come with great glory. It is not going to be something you question. See, then Jesus will appear in the sky with power and great glory. That's what he says. They will see the Son Son of Man coming on the clouds of sky with what? Power and great glory. So Jesus will come with power and with great glory. A matter of fact, he is going to be so powerful, it's going to cause everything to go into chaos, but yet at the same time, he's going to bring everything under his rule. Everything will be dark, the world will be in chaos, people will be mourning over everything happening. A matter of fact, there's a part in Revelation chapter six that says this, in the midst of the darkness will appear a light so bright with great glory, Jesus appears and is so bright that people are crying out for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them because of everything that's going on. But then, lo and behold, guess who shows up? Jesus. And I love what it says. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. Listen, the sun has stopped shining, the moon, not there. The stars fell from the sky. Everything has gone crazy. Heavenly bodies will be shaking. And listen, everything will be dark. Everything. I remember being out at sea when it might have been a cloudy night or maybe the moon was dark. There were clouds and stuff going on. And you walk out on the ocean or, sorry, out on the deck of the ship to look out at pitch black. And in your mind as a sailor, you're like, man, I hope I never fall over. Because I do not have a prayer to survive. You know you're four, five, six, seven hundred miles off the coast of somewhere. It's pitch black. If you were to go over, you have no hope. Everything is dark. Everything is gloomy. Everything is dreary. And guess who shows up? Remember what he said is, as you see lightning go across the sky, you're going to know when Jesus comes. And here's why you're going to know when Jesus comes, because Jesus claimed this in John, I am the light of the world. In Revelation, it says that when Jesus comes back, there will be no longer any sun or moon or stars in the heavens, because when Jesus comes back, he is the very light to everything that exists. So when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a pitch black darkness that's fallen over the face of the earth and Jesus comes back and guess what? There is going to be a bright spotlight and there will be no denying the fact that Jesus has returned. Everybody will see it. And listen, it says they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of sky. Matter of fact, I want you to see and understand what's going on. As I began to study this, at that time, the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky. When we talk about this light I want you to think about this. How did Jesus show himself to the people? How did he lead the people at night for Israel? What did he do? He was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of what? Smoke by day or a cloud of smoke. Listen, he's coming on the clouds. The idea that is communicated here is you will see what we call or what they called the Shekinah glory of God. The very essence of everything that God does beams out into the universe as Jesus shows up to come back and make everything right. Everything that was broken, everything that was desolate, everything that was beat down, that was sinful, everything is going to be made right. And Revelation chapter 22 says it best, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. Listen, when Jesus comes, the earth is going to cry out. All hell is going to break loose. Everything is going to be helter-skelter. It's going to be crazy. But Jesus will come with great power or with power and great glory. And we begin to see that played out here in these verses. And he says, they will see the sign of the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And listen, here's the beauty of what takes place. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the earth. So number three, how are we going to see or what's going to happen? The angels will come with the trumpet call. The trumpet is literally this idea of a Jewish means of calling a convocation. They're coming together to worship. He's calling an assembly. The trumpet is blown. The angels, the messengers of God go and they gather the elect people, the redeemed who have been scattered all over doing the work of, the, uh, of, of Jesus, of the gospel here on earth. And they're gonna be all over the earth preaching. And there they have been those who have been redeemed as a result of their message. And so when Jesus comes back, he's gonna send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. So listen, we don't know the time. We don't know the hour. We don't know what it's going to look like. What we do know is there are going to be, these signs are going to be evident. Those nine signs we talked about, there's going to be the abomination that causes desolation, who rises to power. As a result of that, all of a sudden the earth is going to cry out. Everything's going to go crazy. All of creation begins to groan. And here comes Jesus. And after Jesus comes, he blows a trumpet. And in the midst of blowing that trumpet, here come the angels to take his redeemed. The people have been bought and purchased. The people have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, there is no other way. This is according to the words of Jesus. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other way to God except through the Son. And you can claim, like I said earlier, you can claim that that's just narrow-minded, bigoted belief. But if you take the words of Jesus' as truth, those are his words, not my words. Those are his sayings, his statements, not my statements. Jesus makes that claim. And that's the way it's got to be. That's the way it is. So the angels will come with a loud trumpet call. And I don't know if you've ever been in a room where a trumpet's been played, but especially if it's silent. I mean, can you imagine how everything's going to be different? You're not going to hear, you realize this, with the chaos that's going around, you're not going to hear birds chirping. You're not going to most likely even hear cars. Realize the chaos of what's going on. It's pitch black. Power's going to be limited. I always love how we're going green to save the, the world. And I'm not, listen, I'm not anti-saving the world, all right? But no matter what we do, it's going to fail. I hope you realize that big picture. If you're, you're a Greenpeace, PETA-type person, look, you're just going to have to realize that God put in certain things in, in order, and that's the way it's going to be no matter what you and I do. Let's be smart. Let's be wise. Let's be good stewards. I always believe in good stewardship, but the reality is the earth is going to fall. All of mankind will fall. All of mankind will be held responsible for their sins and everything goes on. But listen, the angel will come with the trumpet call. And then listen, what Jesus says Heaven and earth will pass away. Do you get that big picture? Because I don't think we begin to understand it, even as Christians a lot of times. We don't see what's going on. As a matter of fact, Revelation talks about the old earth and the old heaven will be gone, and the new earth and new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. But listen to what he says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My truth will not fail. My words will not fail you. They will strengthen you. They will uphold you. They will encourage you during that time. As we know it, heaven and earth will end. The earth that we know, the heaven that we know, will cease to be. It's the end of the world as we know it. ever remember that song? To me, it got popular with DC Talk, but it was even more popular, I guess, back in the 70s and 80s. It's the end. Matter of fact, if you watch uh, Friends, right? No, not Friends. There was a show that used to sing that song, but it's the end of the world as we... Anybody know that song? Oh my gosh, you got to go home and look at REM. They did it? Okay, well, my my thing was DC Talk. DC Talk did it on uh, their Jesus Freak, I think it was, or Supernatural... Uh, CD. I'm dating myself on that, so you have to begin to understand. But listen, he says it again, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Remember what is said, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, and rebuking, and training in righteousness. The very words of God are spoken. It comes out of, all scripture is God-breathed. It comes out of his mouth, out of his nostrils. If we believe the word of God, we believe that this is going to happen. That's the way it's gonna play out, that heaven and earth will pass away. But here's the glorious thing, here's the beautiful thing about this. When Jesus appears, when he comes back, it marks the close of one age and the opening of another new age, one which the supreme, listen, the, the supreme characteristic, the most beautiful thing we can see is that of this new age, this will be this idea that God will be dwelling with his people. If you remember when God created everything in the beginning, before the fall of man, before sin, was that God dwelt with his people. But as a result of Adam's sin, things changed. God knew it was going to happen. He planned it from the get-go. But now when Jesus comes back, God's dwelling will be with his people. And in Revelation chapter 21, it says this, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What will the second coming be like? That's just a glimpse. Now you can go home and watch Armageddon. You can go home and watch, you know, whatever, the tomorrow one I was talking about. You can go home and watch whatever you want to. San Andreas with the rock. I, I even just think about this. Have you watched the news with all the chaos with the volcano over on the big island? Could you imagine living? I mean, they're interviewing a guy and he's like, yeah, all of a sudden the, the ground opens up, lava's coming out. And it, it's the guy whose house got burned and they saw, they showed it eating his car. The stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Remember what we said? With the sun and moon gone, the stars falling, all hell breaks loose on earth. And yet Jesus says, immediately at that point, at that time, Jesus comes back. Now I'm devastated, I'm sad, I'm hurt for those people who have to deal with that over in Hawaii, but listen, that's just the beginning. It's going to be worse. Because the whole earth is going to be doing that. And so here's the thing we just talked about in Revelation the old is gone, the new has come. Listen, in your life, the Bible tells us all of us are sinners. All of us can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that we put our faith and trust that Jesus' death on the cross was good to cover us, to, to remove the sins that we have been so guilty of. And so Jesus offers us life. He offers us this new life. He offers us an opportunity to put our faith and trust in him. He's calling out. He's, his Holy Spirit is drawing people to him. And you can stand there and you can reject. You can begin to go, I just don't believe this thing. Or you can open up your heart and realize, hey, this is true that everything's going to take place as it goes down because Jesus said it was going to happen. And so as we wrap up today, I wanna encourage you with this. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In the midst of everything that goes on, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, Jesus says, I will not walk away from you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, You don't have to fear evil. Why? Because I am with you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I'm gonna have the praise team come up, but if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, when you start talking about the end, sometimes it can be overwhelming. And look, I'm not one of these guys who's into trying to scare you to put your faith and trust in Christ. But I think it's very evident of what's going to happen. Jesus spoke these words himself. He said, This is how you're going to know the end is coming. All of those things were going to be evident, but Jesus would be coming back later after that. So, my question today is this Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you ready? And, Christians, I believe that this is a question we all have to ask for ourselves as well. Am I prepared? Do I realize what Jesus is going to hold me accountable for? Do I realize that there's a responsibility I have because I know that the end is going to come? I don't know when, but I do know it's coming. Next week, we're going to look at the timing and stuff. And so you can be prepared. If you want to read ahead, you can read the end of chapter 24. We're going to try and get all the way through the end of chapter 24 so we can jump in for three weeks into chapter 25. But I want to encourage you to nail this down. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, there is no greater time than to do it right where you're at. And here's the thing. You don't have to come up here. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You make it public. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Matter of fact, here's what I want to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may have already put your faith and trust in Christ, and that's fine. But where you're at, you can just simply say this, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that your blood is what washes away my sins. It's what makes me righteous and right in the eyes of the Father. And so today I ask you to forgive me and I turn from my wicked ways. I turn from my sinful life. And I want to follow you. I believe that you rose again, defeating sin and defeating death and offering me life and life more abundantly. And here's what I want to do just as we close with the song. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, you would say, that's me. I, I put my faith and trust in Christ. I know that there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of doubts. Maybe you, you even, you don't know a lot. That's fine, it's okay. But if you've prayed that prayer, if you said, that's that's me today, here's what I wanna do. As we close with the song, you can come down, you can see me, you can talk, I wanna pray with you. There's nothing magical about it. If not, if you wanna talk to me later, you don't wanna draw it out, big deal out here, but you wanna make it public, you wanna come and talk to me, come talk to me as we're walking out today. But here's what I wanna encourage you with, that in the midst of everything that goes on in life, when you make a public profession before everybody else, that you put your faith and trust in Christ. You need to make it public. And I believe that one of the ways is that's, that's baptism. But another way is just to stand up and say, I put my faith and trust in Christ. So as we close with the song, if you did that for the first time today, you'd say, that's me. I'm gonna put my faith and trust in Christ. I wanna follow him. I wanna be obedient to him. Then come down and let me know. So we can just let everybody else know as we close with the song. Father we know.